Okay, today we're going to be starting in Luke chapter 12. And again, in the book of Luke, we're going to continue to see those teachings of our Lord's diverse and and wonderful messages that he gives us and the forms of of different things in life and the things in life that he gives us that also lead us into our, our life into eternity. But the things he gives us in chapter 12, we're going to be looking for things here. You know, in chapter 11, there was a lot also that that we got from that as well, from the miscellaneous different things, from the model prayers and the things we should be cl- uh, praying for, from the uh, aspects and the things of unclean spirits, and, and also the Lord telling those about uh, those who want to seek signs and on how he rebuked those in their lack of faith because people were only wanting to see signs. And what was interesting is that we know that the Lord showed those signs and yet people still continued for more and more. It wasn't enough, you know. Uh, whenever the Lord does or says something one time, it should be enough. But, you know, we, we at times can be very uh, consistent with wanting more and more before we would uh, even tend to believe in his miraculous doings. And, and so when we look at the Lord and we look at the things that he's uh, continuing to tell us, As he performed those miracles, as he exhorted in such wise teaching, he warns us again. We're going to be seeing things in chapter 12 and things that we need to be aware of. He's going to teach us the things on the fear of God. And he's also going to remind us not to worry about certain things. And so again... What a blessed time this is in in the book of Luke. Because we are at this time to where so much is going on in this world. There's so many things going on in our lives with our families, with our friends, with our co-workers, whatever the case may be. There is much going on. And, And the gospel, the gospel is the good news. The gospel leads us to heaven, and it also brings a little bit of heaven to us, as the godly teachings of our Lord brought it down to us for us to be able to withstand the things of this world and to also help lead us to others and lead ourselves to him through his good word of the gospel. So we're going to look at uh, chapter 12, and we're going to be observing uh, real quick here in verses 1 through 3, and it says, In the meantime... When an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together, so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, First of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear and inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. You know, the Lord was becoming sought after by many to where actually people were trampling over one another. And, you know, some churches today uh, are empty, and, and some are filled. And why the ones filled nowadays is questionable. And I've found uh, that each each side seems to be doing something right or something wrong. The, the sides of, of the filled churches and the sides of the empty churches. It, it seems to be one or the other. Many don't want to hear sound truth, and many want to hear what they want to hear. And I've been in both big and little churches, and I have seen both of the solid rock and some of plastic. And and leaven in any place causes a spreading of sin. 
you know, leaven was the yeast that was in the bread that makes it rise and expand. And the Pharisees represented that in the form of leaven. You know, it's easy to spot manna from leavened bread. And eventually, the Pharisees would expose the leaven in their lives. You know, the act of a hypocrite is mastered by uh, concealing and disguise. But eventually, the mask comes off. The sheep's clothing will get too hot, and it will be removed from the wolves being in the, in the true motives of people that will be seen. And the majority there were there to hear the Lord. But the lumps of leaven that showed were only there to challenge the Lord. He warned the disciples of them and how they would operate. You know, they didn't like what Christ had to say as they refuted and challenged him. And, and if there's something I've learned over the years that when a shepherd sends a rock into the flock as of what he says, uh, the only one who's going to yelp and then go after you is the wolf that got nailed by it. You know, if there's something you could learn about sheep, it's that, that sheep don't attack shepherds. In fact, sheep aren't even wired to attack anybody. But it's those wolves in the sheep's clothing. They attack, they attack the shepherds and other sheep. And that's why I say what I say. And, and the Lord was the perfect example of that, who at times would send a rock into the flock when, when he said something that was truthful and harsh. And of course, the one that got nailed by it always came after him. And so we're going to continue to take a look here on what Jesus continues to teach in that. And the fear of God in verses 4 through 7, it says, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. Therefore, you are more value than those many sparrows. You know, I, we've heard the term having the fear of God. And some have a fear from the form of I'm going to, to get zapped. And there's those who have a fear of reverence. A fear of disappointing him. Because, you know, we love our father so much that we want to please him. We don't want to have him disappointed in us. And that, then that could be in the form of our earthly fathers, right? How much more should it be in our heavenly father? But to, again, human reverence has become more important to some people. You know, many brag about that they, they put the fear of God into someone. And yet they say it with such pride when it's done out of ignorance. People can harm us. They could even take our lives. But they have no control of our eternity. Why does God allow things to happen to us is the question. Well, sometimes we'll never know. I want to make sure that I'm in God's presence to find out personally one day. And Jesus mentioned the sparrows that were sold for two copper coins, which were uh, the cheapest um, the cheapest things that were sold in the marketplace. You know, considered worthless to most and sold, uh, and they were sold to the poorest people for food at times. And yet God remembers those little worthless sparrows to the, uh, worthless to the public. And we tend to associate with people for many reasons. And most will do it to avoid solitude. Uh, they will run with wolves knowing that they're wolves because they don't want to be alone or on the outs. 
Our true value is God's estimate of our worth, not our peers or others, but his outlook and his first. Uh, Fearing what people think takes away our peace with God. We forget that God's love and blessings are eternal versus temporary of those around that that God's love and blessings um, that we do get. We forget the wonderful things done in life. All that we do in the name of the Lord is the only thing that will last. And when we have done it in his name, and when we've done it in truth for his eyes and to his glory, we will see his glory. And we're going to see more of this in in, in verse 8 through 12 as we will continue. It says, And I also say to you, whoever confesses me before men, and him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You know, for for those who know the Gospels and remember... You know, they actually remember that Peter denied knowing Jesus three times, as Jesus actually predicted that he would. Uh, why was he reinstated is the question, right? Well, the question that could be answered was simply because of Peter's repentance. You know, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was unforgivable. And there was two ways given of that that was shown to us in Matthew 12.31 and Mark 3.28. And now we see another form in Luke, uh, in Luke verse 10 here that we just read. But it, it was in regards to that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that unforgivable sin, it was in regards to people saying that the works of the Lord and miracles were done through the powers of Satan. And, and yes, that is pretty blasphemic. But we also see that through deliberate rejection from an ongoing basis when the Holy Spirit is trying to bring one into the light and has committed themselves to sin knowing that the Spirit is calling versus someone who is unaware of the Lord. And when we commit ourselves to sin, we shut ourselves off to God. And we can see that in the Pharaoh of Egypt, right, in the book, in the book of Genesis, the, the Pharaoh that was in Egypt when Moses was leading God's people out of Egypt, ten plagues was hit, and the death of his son didn't even teach him. And, and through Pharaoh's hardened heart, he caused a death to his own kingdom when he tried to go after God's people, and then the Red Sea closed on all of them in the book of Exodus. That was in the book of Exodus, not Genesis. Uh, so, But if we could p- uh, put ourselves in the sandals of our Lord, and when he said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father and the angels. And many have had a friend or two, uh, even, who has denied knowing you and then siding with others out of popularity. And if that's happened to you, then you know exactly how that feels. If you've done it and were convicted of that, then you know how bad it feels to do such a thing. It really is a lose-lose. But, you know, again, see, the Lord knows that the Holy Spirit will guide those who are walking with him. Jesus didn't say, if they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates, he said, when they bring you. 
Why? Because he knew it would it would come one day. They've been spending time with the world's greatest teacher and the greatest example in Christ Jesus. But his time was limited. He promised to send the Holy Spirit after his departure, and he did. And the disciples would have to face well-educated Jewish leaders. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they could not just do it, but they could prevail. And we see that, and we'll see that in Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were able to speak in all these different languages. And it turned out to be about 13 different languages altogether, which was given to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we must keep in mind that what Peter said in his epistle in 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope in you. And when you are prepped in God's word, in the help of the Holy Spirit in you, we will always be more effective than ever. In the previous chapter, uh, 11, verse 13, even Jesus said, How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And when we ask for that, it is the greatest gift we can get because it's an eternal gift that keeps on giving while we're here on earth. And, and, and again, how much more better can it get than that when we ask for more of the Holy Spirit? And if I could ask the question, have we asked for more of that lately versus some uh, materialistic things? The Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. And I want to continue to know that personally in order to properly teach that. And as Jesus said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit when you ask? So may we take heed to what the Lord says. And remember that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and guides us as the Lord said he would. And we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to please the Spirit as it's pleasing to God. Let's continue here in verse 13 to 21. And then it says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will st store all of my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, this was a parable of the rich fool. Uh, to some people, it could be a contradiction of titles, rich and fool, right? <laughs> you know, to the world, those who are rich obviously are not fools. Look at where they're at. Well, we don't always see what wealth does to many. And I've said many times that there's nothing wrong with having or making money. But when the money has you, or it makes you, now we're in trouble. 
You know, the person from the crowd had a request of the Lord from a worldly and selfish standpoint. As the Lord questioned him, am I judge or arbitrator over you? These issues were typically dealt in a synagogue uh, by a rabbi or from the judges who sat at the city gates. These are the guys that normally handled that kind of stuff. But you see, Jesus pointed them upward at a higher issue to a godly answer over that of any rabbi or judge. He wasn't going to take a side between brothers. But he was going to wake him up to the things of eternal blessings over temporary blessings. You know, we have an old saying about the wealthy, and that is that they're living the good life. Well, it may look that way from the outward, but it may not always look that way from the inside. The good life is not always in the life of the wealthy. Uh, Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go into heaven. Uh, Because the riches is what keeps someone from God. Because we rely on the money over that of God. See, here in the United States, back in the 1920s and 30s, there was um, this thing we had called the Great Depression, where many wealthy lost everything uh, due to an economic collapse. And the result was many people taking their own lives due to losing all of their money. Well, money can be lost and made back, or even given back, but time cannot. Well, once today is gone, it's gone, and we cannot get time back. And and the Lord's saying that your soul may be required is the heavenly reminder that time is up, and that it, it was limited for a time. Whatever we have in life is not something we possess, but it was given to us to enjoy for a time. Everything we strive to obtain, we have to strive to maintain, you see, But Jesus told the disciples that where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. Because in my Father's house are many mansions, which is dwelling places in the Greek language. We will not have to strive or obtain or, or maintain in heaven. Because nothing fades or perishes there. He, he even said, the Lord said that gold is worth, you know, here gold is worth nothing, right? Because much uh, much gold that we know of is, is one of the most durable metals. But, but Jesus said it has no worth in heaven because the only, good that it, uh, the only good that it has here is durability. Because Jesus said that the streets are paved with gold in heaven. Here on the earth, gold is worth a lot. It's the most durable of metals and one of the most precious of metals worth so much. And Jesus says up here, it's, it means nothing. The streets are paved of it here. The only good thing about it is, like I said, it's durability. So I guess, you know, with the amount of people in heaven, <laughs> we're going to have some good, durable gold streets to walk on. And where your heart is, your treasure will be as well, he said, you know, in the Lord. Lord willing, we will treasure the Lord more and more. See, as we are treasured by him, in which we're going to be, it's, we're going to see and be reminded <laughs> in that treasuring that he has of us. And the goal is always that we might be treasuring him more as we continue to see what he is saying in, in verse 22 to 34. And, and if I could remind you, as I'm reading this to you, I, I have a, um, I read from the New King James Version, which um, has all of, the, uh, all of the writings of Christ in red letters. And I can tell you right now that 99% of this chapter is all in red letters. And, and what you're hearing... What you're hearing is the words of Christ. 
And, and I really want you to focus more on that than my voice. I want you to focus on everything that he is saying right now as we're going to continue to, to see what's said in verse 22 to 34. And then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and, and God feeds them. How much more value are, they, are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you, then, are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then God so clothed the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Nor all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth de destroys for where your treasure is there your heart will be also you know the lord says something that has been one of the hardest things uh, for anyone to accomplish you know do not worry about life uh, what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear and this was not just a philosophical suggestion but it was an actual command from the lord when he tells us to do something. And there is a vital benefit from it. Where, where a suggestion from someone is a possible win or lose situation, the Lord doesn't give suggestions. He gives commands. Because there's meaning and substance that is beneficial. You know, he, he just requires faith on our end. That we trust in him and his love and his abilities. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. You know, the Lord meets our needs. But he will not give us every desire if it's going to harm us down the line. You know, it is good to work and plan wisely for the future. You know, it's all over the book of Proverbs and, and sections of Ecclesiastes as well, giving us the wisdom of that. But you see, the Psalms of King David gives us an even stronger divine outlook of God's provision. Is Psalm 37, verse 25 says that I have been young, and now am I old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. You know, anxiety and greed and coveting things brings nothing more than stress to, to life, which destroys mentally, physically, and most of all spiritually. As the Lord said, you know, don't fear little flock, the Lord said, because he is the good shepherd. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And as a shepherd, it was a work that was not done out of prestigious position. It was a choice out of love and concern for the sheep. 
because they have been appointed to care for them. You know, one one of my pastor teachers has been to the Middle East, and he spent some time with a sheep herder over there. And he actually, he, he lived and traveled in a large tent, um, just like they did over in the Middle East uh, back in back in the ancient days. But the only difference was that uh, he was more modernized. He had a uh, flat screen television. He had a stereo in there. And during the uh, during the conversation with this shepherd, he said he said, "Wow, your English is very good." And, and, and uh, he says, "You know, you seem very educated." And the shepherd said that he was a Harvard graduate. And it's amazing because Harvard is one of the highest ranked universities in the U.S. And so the pastor asked, he said, well, why this? Why are you doing this when you graduated from one of the most prestigious schools of, of, of law and doctors? And his response was, I just couldn't stay away from this. I, I love it too much and I love them too much. And so I look at our, our father who has that heart for us. But, but stronger even than that of a shepherd of regular sheep. We fear and fret about things we have because we've made them a number one priority. If we can make the Lord our number one priority, we would care less about the silly things we own that people steal or covet in their hearts. We can't fathom what is in store for us in heaven. So why not focus on him more? Why not focus on him more and more each day? So I guess as I like to remind us, for those who are walking with him, uh, may we be encouraged to go strong and even stronger. But as for now, for those who have not received the Lord, this is the chance for an invitation to receive him. That you might be able to know exactly what it is that's being said here. In order for us to, to really grasp the concept of the love of our Father. You know, you, if you have children before, and, and when they were born, you just, you, you seen how much you love them already, just from, just from the first day of receiving them. And I can't tell you how excited the Lord is when that happens. When somebody is born again unto Him. In fact, you know, when, it, when a child is born in a hospital, people are there to congratulate you, the staff, and, and, and sometimes other people as well are joyous for you. When my youngest child was born, there was a little button that, that you could push on the wall and it would actually play a pleasant little uh, uh, lullaby music, which indicated that a baby was born right then and there. And so for me, it was a it was quite a uh, quite a blessing for me to be able to push that button and hear the music play throughout the halls of the hospital to make known that another child was born. Well, whenever somebody gives their life to God, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. That there is a mighty choir singing in rejoicing of your salvation. They're singing in rejoicing of your, of your acceptance of the Lord. So if you want to accept Him right now, I want to give you an opportunity to say this prayer after me in order to receive your heavenly citizenship and your salvation with the Lord Jesus 
as he says to the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, that's for you and I as well. But you're going to have to receive him in order to be a child of his. He's been waiting for you. He wants you and he loves you. And if you feel led, I want you to say this prayer with me right now. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Thank you, Father, for dying on the cross for me and all of my sins. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for having me, Lord. And Lord, I receive you into my heart, Father, as your Lord. You are my Lord and my Savior, as Lord, Lord and Father, Lord. Father, I love you and I praise you. I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what a, what a blessing it is to receive the Lord and to know that you have that assurance. So I want to I want to invite you to continue to follow along in in his word. And I want to continue to seek him. And I want to continue to be teaching you the word of God and to growing in him together. May God bless you and your family and watch over you in love. God bless you. <laughs>